Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our leadership podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks again for for tuning in. Um, This is a continuation of building the church from the ground up. And let me just give a little explanation to podcast listeners because you might not be aware of what we're doing here. Um, For these 11 weeks, I decided to take a class that I'm teaching uh, to help church planners and spiritual entrepreneurs and included in my podcast because we have people around the world that listen and and so that's what's going on here and uh, if you're interested in more about that you can you can email us but the the goal and purpose as i shared last week is i i feel with all my heart god is birthing ministries and so he's calling people you know we believe that the most important way that the great commission of jesus is fulfilled is by multiplying kingdom families and, and as I shared last week, I believe there are a need for millions of new churches. And so in my heart, that means that there's millions of people being called to plant churches if this world is going to hear the gospel. And I thought by teaching this class, maybe someone will listen and say, you know what? I've always wondered if I was supposed to plant a church or maybe a, a, a start a ministry or at least be a small group leader. And so I wanted to really mentor and invest in you and so last week we talked about vision as we were talking about laying the foundation for building a church from the ground up and and the theme verse that I'm continuing here is in 1 Corinthians 3.10 where Paul he talks about the fact that um, he was a master builder and he said I don't want any other foundation to ever be laid than the foundation that I've laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he says, be careful how you build on that foundation because if you build on it with gold and precious stones, then it's gonna last. But if you you put in there wood, hay and stubble, if you put on man's idea, if this is a flesh generated thing, it's gonna just crumble. And Jesus talked a lot about that too when he said, a house built on the sand and so when we talk about the, the heart of building a ministry, uh, we come to this subject of values and culture. And, and what I like to say is before we build a house, we must build the heart. You know, I mean, you can have a great church building, but if the people who are leading don't have the heart of God, then all you have, you know, is, is a building. And What makes a church a church is not that people get together, right? I mean, we can have a rock concert. It's not getting people to come to a meeting that makes a church. It's people united, as we said last week, to fulfill the commandments of Jesus. Jesus said, my great commission is to go and teach people to obey all that I've commanded. So a church is people united together to fulfill the the commands of Jesus together in a way that makes the biggest difference in the world. And an extremely important part of that 
is this thing called values. I call it the heart of the church. A value is an agreed upon set of practices or principles that we judge as the most important thing uh, to the fulfilling of the call and vision God has set before us. When values are well-defined, they become like a, a covenant of behaviors that everyone understands, that brings everybody on the same page, that allows people to move in, in one direction. Values are at the heart of what makes a successful team. I don't know why, but I always think of Finding Nemo and, and when they finally got the fish uh, swimming in the same direction, they could pull down a boat, you know? And what I find the greatest challenge in building a church from the ground up, it's not procedures, it's not techniques, it's are the people, do they have the same heart? There's a powerful verse in Genesis 11, and I'll have this in the notes I send out, but it says, if all the people speak the same language and have the same purpose, nothing will be impossible for them. And so values are the way that we, we come together and say, this is what this is supposed to look like. This is the flavor. <laughs> this is our DNA. This is our culture. Values create the culture or the atmosphere. Values are what people feel. You know, uh, someone said, I just love this, this quote, which is, people will not remember what you say, but they will never forget the way you made them feel. And, and when people have specific values they're committed to, it creates a feeling. You know, some of you are familiar with Chick-fil-A, if you're from America at least, and they have a high set of values. Well, their top value is, is customer service, making the customer feel important. That's why they always say, if you say thank you, it's my pleasure, it's my pleasure, anything I can do. Well, that makes you feel a certain way and that creates a, a credible success. So here's a few thoughts about values. Values are what form a successful family. A successful family is not born out of technique, it's born out of shared value. A successful team, it comes from values. Number two, great leaders are effective because they continuously effectively articulate the values and they hold people accountable to living those values. That's what great leadership is about. Great values, when they're pursued together, create a sense of a culture. And for the church, that culture is the presence of God. Now, let me just say this, really important, because we see churches in the Bible that had all of the form, you know, Revelation chapters one through three, but they lost their values. You remember that? Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, you know, you're doing great works, you got great programs, but this is what I have against you. You lost your first love. I'm gonna take the candlestick, which is, I'm gonna take the anointing. You're gonna just be like a, you know, just like a museum. You're gonna be there and you're gonna go through all these functions. Just remember the same thing happened when Jesus drove out the money changers. They had the temple, but they didn't have the heart anymore. If you go all the way back to the building of the temple, what made it powerful? It was because of a man named David who had 
this incredible value, a heart for God, a heart for the presence of God. And because he communicated and lived that, at the beginning, the temple was filled with the glory. You know, one of our values here, and I say it all the time, is that the only thing great about heart for the world is the presence of God, is that we're hosting the presence of God. It's not because we have the best uh, song or message, none of that. But because of our hearts, and as our hearts are in accord, God comes. And that's what makes this incredible and powerful. A few other things. Values are so important because usually they reveal where conflict comes from. You know, most conflict is a conflict between different values. And if you don't know what the value was, you don't know why the conflict's there. Um, you know, here's, a, here's an example. Financial stability is some people's value. Another group of people, radical generosity. How many know that could cause some friction? In our worship at times, we've had people whose highest value was, was musical performance and others flowing with the Holy Spirit. See, if they're not able to get those values on the same page, what's gonna happen? There's gonna be tension and so forth. Values are so important for us to define or else we might end up uh, wearing Saul's armor by that. You know, have you ever had someone come to your church and say, well, at the last church we were at, this is what we did. And, and they wanna put old Saul's armor on you. And you say, well, I know that was good, but those are not the values that God's called us to emphasize. Let me just say it and I'll say more in a minute. But there are foundational faith values like integrity and believing God, evangelism. But then there are values that have to do with our culture, with the specific vision God has given us to fulfill. And, and knowing those values kind of helps people know, are they supposed to be a part of this team or not? You know, Craig Rochelle is a great leader in, of the churches, the life churches. And he says, whenever he hires a staff, he asks two questions. Number one question is, do they have the competency to do the job? But then right after that is, do they have our values? If they don't have our heart, it's not gonna work no matter how good they are. And that's what happens in a church. It's important for people to know, you know, I tell people all the time, there's a lot of great churches in, in Las Cruces, but, but if you feel this is your heart, then, then come on. Because if we have that shared heart, we can do an amazing work uh, for God. And so we want to, to get this because values define our expectations. Values define how we make people feel. Values make it not necessarily to have a lot of rules. If you have the same values, you can easily uh, flow together. You don't have to tell everybody what to do because they know what you value. If they automatically know that you value uh, winning lost people more than you, you, you value having a perfect service, they'll, they'll, they'll flow with that, you know? I remember Chuck Smith, the great pastor of Calvary Chapel where, where the Jesus Revolution started. Uh, they had a values issue in their church because all these long-haired hippie freaks back in the 70s started coming. And they were barefooted and they would sit on the floor and, and, and they had a business meeting and some of the elders said, we gotta do something different. They're ruining the carpet. What are we gonna do, pastor? They're stinky. And he said, well, that's very easy. We're gonna get rid of the carpet. Well, quickly, when he got rid of the carpet, he got rid of a few elders too. Why? Because his value was win the hippies. Their value was let's keep church civilized. You know? 
So, so it's so important that you know uh, what your values. Your values will tell you what battles you should fight and what battles you shouldn't fight. The battles will tell you uh, what it is that you focus your whole church around and what other people may do differently than yours. A clear example uh, in our church, and I'm gonna, you're, I'm so excited to have my wife Sharon join you because you're gonna get to hear her. Uh, one of the very first values that uh, we decided that was distinctive of Heart for the World was that we were gonna be a church that valued kids ministry at the very top of our, of our priorities. Uh, kind of coined, used a phrase someone coined, uh, we are a kids ministry and adult care is provided. But the idea of that was kids are gonna be the VIPs. Well, that changes how you do church a whole lot. And she's gonna kind of explain how that, how that was formed and how she took those values and started a, a kids ministry and how a church could be built around that that could fulfill our specific mission. Another core value of our church, uh, we say, is, is to give the very best to those who have the least. We are a heart for the world church, meaning we are a church for the nations. Everything we do, we call ourselves a neighborhood church on a worldwide mission. God showed us that at the heart of our ministry was that we exist for our non-members. Many churches exist for their members. You know, exist, you guys, are you happy? Are you feeling your needs met? But we often say our vision is not to meet your needs. Our vision is to touch God's heart. And if we touch God's heart, your needs are gonna get met, you know? That's why we often say in worship, I think it's a good example, people who come and say, well, I didn't get anything out of worship today. Well, we say, I'm sorry, but it wasn't for you. It was for God. Did God get something, you know? Immediately, we're, we're, we're tilting things to, to help people have the same heart. So this church was born out of the call to be a missionary that God put on my life. And it was born out of going to the Philippines and it was going out of going to Zambia and other places and seeing the poorest of the poor. And a defining moment when we were going to establish our church was I had just come from Davao, Philippines. We went up in the mountains and went to the tribes and we were just so blessed doing medical work up there and caring for the kids. And, and uh, I was going to Japan and, and, and I was there and we were in the middle of trying to see if we could build a church building and, and what that would be all about and how would, I, how would I raise the money for that. And there was a hundred things uh, back home in Las Cruces, New Mexico that needed tons of my attention. And, it, and, and logically, it, it seemed kind of stupid to be in the Philippines and Japan and spending time, what I was, we were doing on there, you know, playing with kids and, and uh, feeding hungry kids and whatever, washing hair and, and blessing them and helping facilitate medical care. But, but God says, I, you need to know this. And I'll never forget because I, I had his, a word right in the middle of the night, I'm sleeping, and he says, Dale, if you will care for the, the hurting and the hungry and the poor, and you will help get the gospel in the nations of the world, I will take care of your church. I will always provide. If you will give a disproportionate of your attention, not to how do I make my church successful, 
But how do I help hidden heroes, partners in other countries? If you will do what I've told you to value first, seek first the kingdom of God, then all of these other things, you see, values determine the blessing that's going to have on your church. If you keep the values God wants you to have, you'll have the blessing that God wants you to see. And I want to let Sharon come now and, and kind of uh, unpack a little bit, especially want to speak. Part of the goal that I had for this class was to not only speak to church planners, but kids ministry planners and whatever spiritual entrepreneur. And she just was used by God so powerfully to plant and nurture several kids ministries. And so I want you to hear her heart. So Sharon's going to join me now. Well, hi, everybody. And I've got now, this is my wife, Sharon. And because she's my wife, we don't have to social distance or anything. And uh, thanks, Sharon, for, uh, for being a part of this and, and sharing a little bit of your story. And part of our heart in this class is to give different examples of people who, who built the church from the ground up in different ways. And, and that's what you did a few times with Kids Ministry uh, starting from the very beginning. And uh, both the priority of it and the, the flavor of kids ministry um, is something I want you to talk about. And I'm gonna say this again, but how do we get our values? Certainly from the Bible, but we also get our values from the call of God we feel and how the Lord speaks to us and the vision he gives us. So I, I would love for you to just talk about kids ministry, as, for example, and anyone, uh, and, and how, how you saw both the call of God for us to focus on kids and, and how the vision for how kids ministry should be started and built from the ground up happened. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. We'll give it a good try. So um, Dale and I, we have six kids and um, two of our kids are adopted and two of them I feel that in the whole process of everything that a call was maybe being um, established, maybe that we weren't aware of. And um, so both of the girls that we adopted were addict babies. And one was certainly a search and rescue um, as she was sold across, across the border for drugs. And we adopted her. She was near three years old. But I remember God speaking to Dale and telling him that this, this was going to be a fight. But we were taking back something that Satan had gripped as his prize for himself. And we were taking back, um, we were taking back this child that was destined for the purposes of the devil. And that it was going to be a fight. And, um, but you know, we just didn't look back and we just knew it was a, that it was a call that God had put on us. And then with the second one that we adopted, we got her at birth, though she was in the hospital for a length of time. And, um, and there was a commercial at the time when she was in the hospital and this commercial was a door and it was a wordless commercial and it was a door and on the door it just said born loser and you open the door and it was um, a NICU, it was an intensive care baby um, nursery of attic babies. 
And when, so you open this door, Born Loser, and it's all these attic babies. And when that commercial came on, um, I this time heard a whisper from God and just saying, watch what happens when you put a born loser in my hands. And with that, we just took that as a whisper from God that we were gonna adopt this child and watch what happens. And so certainly the prognosis for her was poor. Um, they didn't know much except that she was not HIV positive, but told us that she would probably be like a fetal alcohol baby and always have behavior problems and never graduate from high school and on and on and on. And anyway, both of our girls have graduated from college and they both have families and um, we're both really proud of our girls as well as our other children. So anyway, with those two girls, they gave us six children. And um, I feel like maybe that that was a call of God that was really specific on us and our ministry and where we're going. And, and not that everybody has to have that radical of a whisper from God, maybe some even more so, but for us, they were really whispers from God and in who we invest in, how we invest in, not to overlook the least of these, um, not to overlook the most broken. And, um, you know, so I think that that's probably how it began with kids. And so it's, it's just been a lifelong investment. Um, I have to say this year, we'll probably end up with 20 grandchildren. And so our life is just, it's just deep in um, kids and fun and mess and creativity and excitement and all of those things. And so you can see how our, our whole life evolved, not around kids here, but in the nations. And creating a ministry that would have a place uh, you know, for the most broken. And so that became a big part of our church. It wasn't going to be a clean, uh, you know, specifically spiritual Sunday school. And that's exactly what's happened. It became a place where um, some of the very most broken in our city and others came. Uh, talk then about you started from scratch and, and gathered a team. And there's a lot we could say about this, but but you had to begin to discuss and come together with the core value, the heart, and, and, and be able to build a team around it. So talk about how God gave you that, uh, that way of defining and articulating the values. I mean, really, quite honestly, it took years. Um, you know, just investing in kids and having a team and just showing up um, all the time, whether you wanted to or not, rain or shine, you just show up and you know and you do whatever you got to do from filling up water balloons to um, giving messages to you know cleaning up throw up you just show up and so it really it, it took a lot of years to to articulate um, a value that is so simple that has really crossed um, time <laughs> I guess I would say because what, what I see is, you know, we were, we were married in the 70s. In the 1900s, we were married, no doubt. <laughs> Man, that made, makes us feel like dinosaurs. But we were married in the 1900s. And, um, <laughs> and so um, just, just the years it took to articulate a vision, kids from the 1970s 
are different from kids in the 1990s, are different from kids in the 2010s, are different from kids in the 2020s. And, and just looking back over the years, I would have to say um, the level of brokenness is ginormous. It's just huge. And um, what kids don't have is just huge. But these values have crossed that time, I think. And so, um, you know, as I just started to reflect way back when, um, who, who we were, what we did, and, and where it seemed like blessing was, I started to just write things down and, and, and it was long sentences. At first it was long paragraphs and then long sentences. And you just play with your words till you can nail it, you know? And so, so one of the things that we came up with, which has just crossed the time, is that um, our kids' ministry is the funnest, safest, most God-filled hour of a kid's week. And it really helps us keep things in balance because um, it's easy to have everything really fun and, and then it gets really dangerous. Or it's really to keep it really safe and then you lose the God factor. So to keep all of those three things in balance is really tricky and a lot of work, but um, it's, it's what we strive for. And also, if, if somebody comes in you can tell um, if there's an agenda or if it's not the right value just by having those three things up high. These are our flags. Fun, safe, God-filled. And just how, how do you articulate those with, how did you create a, tem a chemistry? I would say that, that in your ministry, there's just been a great chemistry. The, the teams love to be together. They, they get it, and, and there's great collaboration. So just tell how did you, how did you teach those values in a way that created chemistry? Hmm. I mean, I'm not totally sure, except that um, it takes time. And um, I'm not one that has to be my way or the highway. And so I think probably it starts with your leader that like one of the things I think I pride myself the most in is that I know how to find people better than me. <laughs> and so then once I gather this team, I have a really good team because um, I'm not all that, but with this team we are. And so I feel like one thing I've really learned is that I don't feel like I'm super great at articulating things. So I'll find team members that are or team members that are way more creative and fun than I am, or way more um, in touch with God moments than I am. So I'm always looking for someone who's way more than me. And as a team, we're really good. I don't know if that helps. That's very good. And then just, you know, one of the most unique things of your ministry is what we call the Harvest Party, where how many, up to 5,000 kids uh, would come at, how did that vision come and how did it flow out of these values? Well, I think the biggest we did was 5,000 people, not 5,000 yeah, kids. Yeah, 5,000 people. <laughs> so, Still um, a lot of people. <laughs> it was a lot, yeah. But, um, you know, we've just, we've tried to take natural timelines on a calendar and you just listen for whispers, you know? Um, how can we bring God into this 
Halloween, you know, and that's how it started. That it started way back in the 70s, I think, is when it started, the 1900s. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, you just um, you just take these natural pieces of the calendar, and you know, Halloween just became a darker and darker and darker kind of um, event, and we just we were just but yet very popular with kids. Oh sure, and with parents. So we just tried to figure out how we could um, flip that upside down and make it a really fun God moment. And, and so we did, you know? The, the thing that we did a little bit different when we did our harvest parties is it wasn't just um, booths and games and candy and it was all that and it was so fun, but we always started with a showtime. So none of our, none of our booths, none of our food, and it was always free. Um, none of that happened till after showtime and showtime was fun. I mean, we did, you know, it, it was our, our kids team put it on and it was wild and crazy and we had a theme and I don't know if you remember when we blew fire and I mean, we, we did a lot of wild, crazy things, but it was super fun and it gained in reputation where people really wanted to be there to see it. And, um, and it grew to where we would, we would do a showtime and then we would open up for, you know, free hot dogs and food and fun and candy. And, and then we would shut it down and we would end with the showtime. And, and yeah, we have adults this to this day that, you know, they asked Jesus in their heart as a kid at a harvest party. And, you know, you just, but you can't just, um, you can't just dig your heels in and say, oh, this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we're going to always do it. So our harvest parties evolved, and um, then we started doing Harvest Sundays, and then now we no longer even do it. We just outgrew it for safety reasons, you know? So we've switched, and now one of our bigger events is a Happy Birthday Jesus. And, um, and yeah, you just, you're just flexible, and you just keep your pulse on the calendar, on the times of what people are going through, and you're, just, you're willing to pivot and create and, and um, meet needs. I guess. So flexible was another value. Flexibility is a huge value. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. You got it. You got to be able to, you got to pivot. And, you know, even on, even on a regular Sunday, you can have your whole everything planned and you just got to, you just got to be willing to pivot, you know, really quick. And we've always said that, that even though we have everything thought out, planned out, you know, if everything fails, flops, if kids go home and they feel loved, it was a win. And so, you know, you show up, you don't quit, you win. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. That was so good. You're welcome. You. That was so good. Let me just kind of bring it down now to how do you lay a foundation of good values if you're going to build a church from the ground up? And, and again, how do you have the heart that builds the house. This is the focus. Um, again, I wanna affirm to you that there are certain values that are just for everybody, obviously, evangelism and so forth. And then there are those, as you heard from Sharon, that come out of a distinctiveness of how you're to reach certain people. For example, if you're called to start a church in a senior citizen community, uh, probably kids' ministry is not going to be your highest value. <laughs> probably spending one-on-one -on -one time listening to seniors. So there, there are those two areas that you need to keep in mind. But let's again, how do we do it? Number one, we start with the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus. 
The foundation is why does a church exist? To bring together people to teach them how to keep the commands of Jesus in a way that makes a difference for them and multiplies its difference to the nations and the world. So the foundation of everything is how, how is Jesus represented? How do we, uh, one of Sharon's favorite phrases is how are we Jesus with skin on? How do the value of who Jesus is and wants to be expressed in our culture, in our context, how does that look? And, and how can we as a team uh, accomplish bringing those values to the forefront in the best way? Um, so let me just give you some ideas. Number one, take that time to identify those values. Sharon talked a lot about it. And what I've been saying is get your blank notebook now. Spend a lot of time. I'm gonna give you a tool that'll be in the notes, which is a list of 100 values or so. And, and you start to figure out what are your top 10 things that you know are, are specific and they're, uh, they're unique in some way to what you've been called to be and do and, and get those down as clear as you can. Uh, define both the, 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 the focus values like, like evangelism, loving God, but then others, for example, fun or passion. Um, these different kind of things that support maybe a specific kind of ministry. Now, let me just focus on this word because this whole class is about multiplication. We shared last week and we said that only 4% of churches multiply. And this is all about how to build a church from seed to, to orchard. In other words, a church that, that's not only birthed, that grows healthy, but then produces other churches. How do we, how do, we do the whole thing in, in a way that, uh, that glorifies God? Again, here's the key word, healthy churches. Healthy churches multiply. Uh, you don't seek to be big churches. You don't seek to be successful churches. God says, no, you're to be faithful churches because success can be fine, very simple. I was faithful uh, to do what God called me to do. And, and so when you're faithful, you create a healthy culture that creates healthy people that naturally creates growth and multiplication. When you think of multiplication though, and this is such a burden of mine, there are values that are at the heart of a church that multiplies. Why, Why do only 4% of churches multiply? It's not because that's all that's possible. It's because only 4% of the church really start off with that end in mind and have values that support a multiplication. Let me give you some examples of churches that are probably not going to multiply. Here are some possible values they have. One, uh, a value that, that has to do with, with performance, that has to do with one person being a superstar. What we're going to see is that many churches, unfortunately, are more personality-driven uh, than multiplication. By that, it's about come see the pastor. The pastor, he does it all, she does it all, uh, a one-man show, and, and the church's value is come and watch the pastor work. Those churches probably won't multiply. I would say the core value of a multiplying church is what we say 
equipping the saints. I said it last week, not being a hero, but making heroes out of others. Sharon has done this beautifully as she tells the story of leading a ladies ministry and her whole thing of leading the ladies ministry was to raise up ladies to lead the ministry. Before long, she was just bringing everyone together and they were all in small groups and and uh, she would give sometimes the teaching and then a girl named Ruby came and she immediately recognized the teaching gift and and uh, she her attitude was, praise God, Lord, you sent somebody who can teach better than me. And she poured into Ruby pretty soon. Ruby was the main teacher. Now that resulted in that ministry growing in incredible ways and her being able to start other ministries. But do you see, that's a value. One of the things I know about multiplying churches, the pastor's not the center of it. Uh, everything doesn't go through the pastor. The sooner you delegate, the more likely it's gonna grow and multiply. Here's one way we say it here that's very important to our values. The people are the ministers and the pastors are the administrators. In other words, the people do the work of ministry. We are there to coach, assist, encourage the ministers who are the people. Prayer at the heart, a prayer for the nation, prayer for the city. That's a multiple, why? Because prayer gives birth to burdens. How does people get, how do people get a burden to plant a church or whatever it is? It's through prayer. In prayer, they travail in the spirit, births. I want you to go do this. And, and, and that's so key. Uh, a passion to send. We, we, one of our values, we say we send our very best. Uh, we don't judge success by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. Risk-taking. It's okay to fail if you are attempting to sincerely do something for God. If you fail, you didn't fail. You just took another step towards eventual success. Abundance is a core value, meaning if you feel threatened by people, you're not gonna give anything away. And I wrote a whole book, Plenty Too Much. If you haven't got that book, go to our website. And the whole idea is you're not threatened because you're giving out of God's pocket. And there's plenty more where that came from. And so you give things away. Um, a kingdom focus. We're not here, as I mentioned last week, for our success, but for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated in our nation, in the world. A hunger for revival that stirs and goes to the ends of the earth. A small group, a value that says, we say it here, all roads lead to cell groups or life groups. All roads are about not being just together big, but multiplying the ministry in small groups. So just wanted to give you that idea because it's very important. Uh, another way that's key is learning how to articulate the values that you have. How do you do it? Number one, by living it. You know, the most important way you explain anything is by modeling it. The only way some people would say that you really teach is through show and tell. See, values are not what you say they are. Values are what you live. You can say you have all these values, but what you really value is what you do every day. I would say that being a value-driven ministry begins with you taking time to internalize, recognize your values, articulate them to yourself, and figure out how you yourself are called to live out those values. 
when I look at some of my personal values, I like to just think, how am I living? One of my main values is love. So adding value to people. How did I do that? And where did I fail to do that? And, and the more I'm aware of how I'm living values or not living on, you know, um, my value is to give disproportionately my time and effort to the poorest and those most vulnerable. Well, I have found many times I go back and I look at my schedule and I said, I got so busy doing church work, I didn't have any more time for the streets. And, and so then I said, whoa, uh, I, I've got to get back to my values. Continually reflect on, on your values. Uh, how, how did I live those values out? How did I fail you to live those values out? How could I get better at those living those values out? But always they begin with an internal look, a definition of how you live the values of the church that God's called you to build. Um, communicate them continually. Tell people, this is who we are. One of the, the great quotes I like about values is two, two heads are better than one if they have the same heart. I mean, uh, two heads can butt heads and they're not <laughs> any good together if they don't have the same heart. So, so what does it take to have the same heart? Well, one, it takes a leader who not only lives it, but communicates those values continually. Let me just give you a few quick ideas for communicating values if you're a leader. I would say if you're gonna build a church from the bottom up, you're, you're gonna get that piece of paper as we talk, that, you know, the church that I see, and you're gonna reflect, and you're gonna do all that, and then you're gonna get a small group of people who have the same heart. And for, for months, maybe, you are going to be sure that you all are on the same page of those values and living them out. Here, as you do that, are the ways to make sure those values continue beyond your small group. Number one, call them out when you see them in others. One of the greatest ways to communicate your values is to give affirmation to people who are living. Say, wow, look at how Johnny, how he cared for the poor. Look at how he worshiped so passionately that he loses track of everything. Look at that. Look at how, how, how much excellence, how he exceeds what was expected. And, and key point, I, I love to, to talk about that I see in you factor. Tell stories with every value. Have stories you tell. So one of our values is multiplication. So you just heard me tell the Ruby story. I've probably told that 50 times. Why? Because unless people understand we are hero makers, not heroes, we're not going to multiply um, keep telling people why you're doing this. When you go do something, you know, we go, on these, we go on these mission trips. Why do we do this? Because we are a neighborhood church or a worldwide mission. We, are not, we do not exist for us. We exist beyond us. We exist for the kingdom of God to come to all people and especially those who have the least or the least opportunity to hear Continue to give visual expressions of your values. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have signs in your, in your building that say your values. I just went to a church, I loved it. One of the signs I saw on the door, it says, empty seats are a very serious thing. In other words, they're saying, we can't have empty seats. We gotta go bring in, you know, the hurting and the broken. But that sign helps people say, oh, that's our value. Um, let people tell stories over and over through video. We just did eight weeks of our Hidden Heroes 
telling what God's doing because we want people to know we're a church for the nations. Um, organize events, sermon series that teach your values and events that undergird them. Become creative. I went to Encounter Church and, and one of their values is just loving their neighborhood. When you go to their church, all the way down the street to their church, there are these people dressed, some of them dressed funny with big signs, we love you, welcome to church, and they're screaming and they're jumping, and, and before you ever get to church, you've, you've been greeted and shouted out by all these people, and you see their, their values, joy, welcoming, inclusion, uh, caring for people, being the church for the neighborhood. Hold people accountable. This is so hard, but one of the key things when you have conflicts and you have difficulties, don't talk about what they did or what you did or what was wrong, but talk about the values that are behind whatever the conflict is. Maybe it's something like, let me just talk to you about One of our core values is honor. You know, what I did was not very honoring. Or I'm not sure how that came across to that person when you when you told them that you didn't want them to come to church. That I, can I ask you if that felt like honor? You know, you begin to, you begin to, to talk about these values and, and whether we're living up to them or not. And it becomes the way that we begin to describe our covenant behavior. And what we have tried to do is write it out. This is, this is what all of us agree to. We are going to be a church that treats kids like VIP. So you're not going to, to brush off kids and get a, you know, criticize them or be harsh with them. Why? That's not our value. And you know, we're gonna force that over and over. Celebrate every chance you can and mentor people over and over in the values. I give these in, our, uh, in, in the notes, but again, just some of our core values um, that we say here. Just for example, we are, we are a church that, is, that passionately worships God. You know, our value is to worship in a way that's all of our heart, soul, and mind. We exist for God and his presence. And so, man, going after God passionately in worship uh, is such a core value. We operate with a relentless team spirit that shows honor, that walks in the light and sacrifices for unity. That needs to be at the heart because what we have found is churches that work as teams win. Churches that are separate and divided and work as individuals have very little impact. We are a church that shows grace. We are grace. And this is huge because if you hear our teachings, all that I teach, it's, it's a part of the flavor I teach, which is, for example, we don't teach what you ought to do to be a good Christian, we teach how do you respond to what God has done. It's, it's not about what you ought to be and you know, you've been to churches and you better get it together and this is wrong and when are you gonna be? Our focus is in who we already are in Christ. Not what we have to do to deserve God's blessing, but how we become who we really are by recognizing his grace, his full, his, the fact he's with us, that he's in us, and, and knowing that through his grace, he has transformed us to be the very person right now in Christ. And so we, we emphasize be who you are, not get your act together. Um, treat kids like VIPs. 
Part of that means walk in joy. <laughs> if it's not fun, kids won't hang around, right? Um, multiplication, authenticity. One of the biggest things around here is, is to be transparent. Make it real. We are not going to be hypocrites. Uh, I love this quote. Uh, Don't try to be perfect. Be real. God and people would rather you be real than be right. You know, have you ever known people, it's all about being right. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Well, okay, you're right. You're dead right, right. The question is, are you real? Are you real? And people will forgive you if you're not always right but they'll stay away from you if you're not real. So be honest, open your heart, be transparent. Obviously, integrity, do the right thing. Um, be someone who exceeds expectations, go the second mile. Invite the kingdom, you know, all the way back to our John Wimber days, come Holy Spirit, we always expect heaven to show up in our services. We don't hope that it happens. We say, okay, how? what is the miracle you're doing here? We have an expectation, a value of abundance that we can, we, we call it audacious generosity. We can't outgive God. And that to the proportion we give, God will overwhelm our giving by providing more than we ever thought we could have. Uh, showing compassion for people. I've already talked about this. Uh, but giving our best to those who have the least Pursuing revival, always going after God's more for our lives. These are just a few of the examples. And I encourage you to work on defining your own as you either start or are leading your ministry. So we close by some questions and we will do this in our, in our teaching time our, when we gather through Zoom. Uh, give an example of, of some of the most important values that you see from this today or in your own life. Um, that you feel are the most important for you and your family or wherever you're leading and, and describe why those are so important. Think of an example of a conflict that you've had because of underlying values. What values maybe needed to be talked about and balanced? Choose one of the most important values to you and share how you would articulate it, live it, and encourage others. And then look at the value sheet that I'm gonna send out Look at all of those and try to come up with the top four or five values that you feel are critical to you fulfilling the mission that God has for you in your family or your ministry. The Lord bless you as you get the heart of ministry in your ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.